0: At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. Good morning. Good morning, Woodside. Good morning to all of you who are watching online, whatever media stream or service you're using. We welcome you into, as Joel called this, our living room. Thank you for allowing me to come and be part of the service today. As you heard, Pastor Jacob is um, out and uh, celebrating his birthday with his family, so continue to pray for him and certainly wish him a belated birthday when you see him next. So I have the privilege of uh, being here this morning and opening God's Word with you. If we've not met, my name is Abraham Philip. I'm, I'm, I'm the sub, all right? So I, I'm the substitute preacher. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get through this just fine. If you haven't realized, it's Labor Day weekend, so happy Labor Day weekend to all of you, and, and what a year it's been. Who would have thunk that at the beginning of this year, that this year would turn out this way, right? And some of you are back to school, perhaps from home, and maybe online, or at in person, or maybe a mix, maybe a hybrid, maybe a fusion. Who knows? What a mess. Is there an amen? No? It's such a mess. It's too much of a mess. We'll leave it alone but we're in a different season of life. It's a season of COVID that seems to have taken over everything, our lives, our schools, our work, our, our churches, everything seems to kind of been pervaded, invaded by COVID. And on top of that, we have social unrest, we have an election coming up. I mean, we're in a very busy season or seasons of life. By the way, did you know um, Summer is almost over. (laughs) It's getting cooler outside. The days are getting shorter because ultimately summer must give way to fall because ultimately, what's the phrase, winter is... Oh, you don't know. Good, it's good, it's good. Winter is coming, right? Winter is coming. But seasons come and seasons go and we're in a season and maybe we're in multiple seasons all at once, right? Everybody is in a season together, but individually, we're all in different seasons. Seasons come and seasons go and time marches on and somehow through this whole process, we keep getting older. Aren't you you glad you came to church just to hear that? Just so depressing. And yet, if you stick with me, there's something we can learn through this all, through all of this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. That's where we're going to spend our time this morning, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Chapter 3, Ecclesiastes, if, if you don't know where it is, it's Psalms and then it, it's Proverbs and then it's Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. And you know Solomon, if you've been in church any time, you know Solomon was the wisest man on earth. God gave him heavenly wisdom and his fame and his wisdom was spread all throughout the world. And what was interesting is Solomon used his wisdom to experiment with life to figure out what brought pleasure and satisfaction. And Ecclesiastes is essentially a journal of his life, of his experiments, and the summary of all that he did and all of his conclusions. What's interesting is, as you read the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes, I'd recommend, if you've never done so, to do it at home, is Solomon looks at life under the sun. And by under the sun, he means what, what, what does life look like if God wasn't in the picture? What would life look like if God wasn't in the equation? And what is really, really interesting is Solomon comes to the same conclusion that modern man does, he just did it 3,000 years earlier. And that conclusion is that man left to himself living in his own strength without God, is really living in an impersonal universe that's controlled by urges and desires. And that's it. In fact, he concludes that a life without God, lived under the sun, lived in our own strength, driven by our urges and our our desires, literally leads to vanity or meaninglessness. If I could read chapter 2 and verse 17 for you, here's the conclusion of life under the sun. Solomon says, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is a vanity and a striving after wind. That's the conclusion of life without God. If I had to rephrase that into a more ver- a modern vernacular, a modern translation, what Solomon just said is life is a bummer. Life is a bummer because life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Chapter 3, Solomon, and that we're, that's where we're going to be, Solomon now changes his tune. Chapters 1 and 2, life under the sun without God. Life, in chapter 3, life is lived under heaven. And when he says under heaven, he means now God is in the picture. What does life now look like? Well, if life without God looked like vanity and meaninglessness, well, life without God is no longer meaningless, is it? But it's certainly full of confusion. Would you agree? It is confusing. While it's no longer meaningless... Life is certainly confusing, and certainly life isn't fair, and God doesn't tell us the things that He does and why He does them, and so we're left confused. That's essentially what Solomon is saying in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. But if you stick with me, there's something that I think we can learn through this as we look at the first 12 verses. We're going to find that no matter what season we find ourselves in, we can trust God in every season of life. We can trust God in every season. Season of life. Let me read for you the first 12 verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. I want to share three reasons this morning with you why we can trust God in every season of life. And the first reason we can trust God in every season of life is because God is sovereign in every season of life. Amen? God is sovereign in every season of life. As we said in the beginning, we're all collectively in a season. It's the season of COVID. It's a season we are living together as a church family. We're all in a season together. But individually, we may find ourselves in different seasons. Individually, sometimes we're in multiple seasons all at once and we feel like each of our legs is in a different part of the roller coaster. One's up and one's down and we're trying to hang on for dear life. Does it feel like that sometimes? Sometimes we're in a season of plenty or sometimes we're in a season of wanting. Sometimes we're in a season of health or perhaps we're in a season of sickness. Sometimes we're in a joyful season or a season of grief. We, we're all in different seasons. And throughout our lives, we go from season to season. And that's why Solomon says in verse 1, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. If you had to look at these seasons that Solomon gives us in verses two through eight, if you just take a look at them, which ones would you pick if you had your choice? I mean, if God says, you get to choose, what would you pick? Now, I, I really don't know about you, but I'll, I'll tell you what I'd pick. I'd pick all the ones that make me happy and give me pleasure and, and really just are, it's fun to be in, right? I mean, if you look at that list, I'd pick the ones about embracing and peace and love and, and planting and, and gathering. and I mean, I'd have a ball. I mean, crying, that's all out. Unless you see me dancing and then you're crying. I mean, that may happen. Or if you're laughing so hard you cry, that kind of crying's okay. But all the other kind of crying can go right out the window, right? Anybody with me? Three of you, thank you. The rest of you, I mean, none of us want pain. None of us want misery. If you do, see me after. There's counseling for you. We'll find somebody. But we all want to be happy. We want things that bring us pleasure because that's the kind of people we are. We're drawn to things that make us happy. No one wants to sit in pain and misery or tears. That's stuff nobody likes. And yet, season after season, those things find our way into life, don't they? And yet, I know what you're thinking. Lord, just give me a chance I don't care what Solomon said. <laughs> I'd like to have all that money and all that pleasure and all that happiness. Give me a chance just to try it out once. Let me come to those conclusions. Even though Solomon has said life under the, under the sun under, or under without God is meaningless, you, you all want a chance. I know I'd like a chance. Let me read for you two quotes. One from G.K. Chesterton, from a theologian from just several generations ago. He said, Meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. It comes from being weary of pleasure. Can you imagine being weary of pleasure? We haven't had that experience, so perhaps it's hard for us to imagine that, but It's possible to be weary of pleasure. Ravi Zacharias, obviously the late Ravi Zacharias in his book, Can Man Live Without God, said it this way, I am absolutely convinced that meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. Meaninglessness comes from being weary of pleasure, and that is why we find ourselves emptied of meaning with our pantries still full. It isn't about pleasure, but it's also not about misery. The point is that God orchestrates seasons in our lives because He is sovereign. And He designs a season. It may be the season of COVID. It may be the season of sickness. It may be the season of plenty. It may be a season of joblessness. But whatever that season happens to be, it's God who designed it, orchestrated it, and put you and me in it. God is sovereign in every season. The ones we like and the ones we don't like. God is sovereign in every season. The second reason we can trust God in every season is because God has a purpose for every season. God has a purpose for every season. And most of the time I look at the season of life that I'm in and I find, and I, again, I don't know about you, but I find I'm never happy with the season I'm in. I'm always looking for a way out to get to the next season because I think the next season will always be better. Anybody? Anybody know? Yeah, thank you. I remember growing up, if I could just get a driver's license and I could get a car and I could go places, right? Then I was, if I could just get a job and get money, I could buy stuff. I mean, I can make me happy. You know, if I could just get married, I wouldn't be lonely anymore. I mean, if I could just find a girl, man. And then I get, I get a driver's license and I get a car and I find I'm stuck in traffic and construction, like I'm not going anywhere, it's construction everywhere. And then I get a job and I get money and I buy stuff and I buy more stuff and I buy more and I get, hey credit card debt, where did that come from? And taxes, where did all my money go? And then I get married, let's leave that alone, uh, <laughs> but I'm never happy. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for something else. And then I see this couple over here. I mean, look at them. They're, aren't they beautiful? They've got it. So, I'm so glad you're sitting there. But, I mean, look at them. They're dressed well. They look well. Their hair is well. They're, there's a glow on their faces. Look, look at her. She's wonderful. Folks, on, I'm sorry you can't see this, but this is, she's, Vanna's here. <laughs> look how beautiful they look. I come into church and I start looking around. I go, did you see the dress she's wearing? Did you see her hair? Did you see his car? And we start looking and we start pointing and we wonder, wow, I wish I had that. All the while forgetting that what we see on the outside doesn't mean that everything is wonderful on the inside. We also don't see all the pain and the pressure and the tears it took for them to get where they did get to. You see, there's a saying, and you know this saying, the grass is greener on the other side, Yeah, but have you heard the rest of that? Someone still has to mow the lawn. Someone still has to mow the lawn. You see, while that tree might be beautiful, while that person seems to have it all put together and dressed wonderful, you none of us see the pain they're in or the pressure and the stress and the tears it took for them to get there. Folks, Every season is orchestrated by a sovereign God. And every season has a purpose. Every season is designed by a sovereign God to do something in your life and in mine, and perhaps not just in your life, but perhaps in the community, in the family, in the world in which you live. Because our God is a sovereign God who does everything for an intentional purpose. God has a purpose for every season. If you look at this list of seasons from verses 2 through 8, you find that there are 14 pairs. 14 pairs. They're in perfect balance. Now, if you did some math, and I know you didn't come to do math this morning, but if you did some math and you were to sum up all of those 14 pairs, do you know what you would sum to? What the sum total of that list would be? It would be zero. It would be zip. In essence, all of the toil and all of the tears and all of the headaches that you and I go through in this life, it all sums to nothing. Aren't you so glad you came to church to hear that today? Wow, what an encouraging sermon. But what Solomon is trying to do, he's using shock value here. He's trying to get you and me and shocking us into the truth That as much as you and I think we're in control, we really are not in control, are we? We're not in control. (laughs) And that's what Solomon is trying to do. He's getting us to see we are not in control. But he doesn't leave us there. Notice verse 10. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And what Solomon is saying is that even though all of the toil and all of the things that we go through amount to nothing, all of it designed by God ultimately will be made beautiful in his time. Why? Because he is the Lord of this season as well, and he has a purpose for it. Amen? God doesn't just put you in a season by mistake. Do you realize, folks? This may be a shock to you. COVID didn't take God by surprise like god's not in heaven going oh i can't believe they let it out (laughs) what were they thinking (gasps) are you kidding the whole world is in quarantine like god's not up in heaven going what am i gonna do with these people like god knows we're in covid god knows about your school situation god knows about your work problem he knows Nothing catches him by surprise. Refer to point number one. God is sovereign. There's a purpose. The fact that all of the world is facing this issue is orchestrated by God. So perhaps we need to let go of all of the stress and all of the pressure we put on ourselves and on the system and say, God, why don't you just continue to do what you're going to do? Because there's a purpose in this for me. And there's a purpose that God is working out for everyone else. Maybe we're too stressed out trying to be God when God's telling us he's got a purpose. Let him be God. For every heartache, for every headache, for every tear that you and I shed, there's a purpose. Because God has put you and me into this season. He's done it for a reason. The year was 1985. There was a 13-year-old young boy living here in southeast Michigan. He was an immigrant from India. He had an older brother and a younger sister. His dad was a pastor, the only breadwinner in the family. He had a mother who, who didn't work outside the home, who didn't drive, who didn't speak much English. And they had been in the country for nine years. They hadn't had a chance to go back home to see grandparents and cousins. And and in the beginning of 1985, they prayed and they sought God's favor and they felt that that was the year that they would go back and visit family. And so at the beginning of the year, they, they prayed and they bought those tickets, five tickets. And the plan was that after school would end in June, they would drive up to Toronto, Canada and take a flight from there because it was cheaper back then and fly to Heathrow. And from Heathrow, they would fly to India. That was the plan. And so, you know, very prayerfully, they started the process. They bought suitcases and started filling them with clothes and with gifts and and whatnot. And and everything was going well. They felt the, the favor of God upon them until the end of April came around when the boy's father had a heart attack. And by the beginning of June, the father had passed away. Wait, wait a minute, God. We bought the tickets because we thought that's where you were headed. That's what we thought you wanted. God, what are you doing? God, where are you? What do you do now? And friends, friends would come by. And they would say, you know, it's really hard to live in a country without money. You know, the mom doesn't speak English, doesn't work outside the house, doesn't drive. How are you going to survive with three kids in this land without money? You got five tickets, why don't you just go back to India? Because God may have made a mistake in bringing you here. Gee, friends, encouraging. That boy's mom was a prayer warrior and very faithful and After a week or two of crying and praying and asking God, God, where are you? Why is this happening? We thought we had done everything according to your will. What's going on? She came out of her prayer room one day and she said to the kids, the God I serve doesn't make mistakes. This is where God brought us and this is where we'll stay. So they took those five tickets and they gave it to another family who wanted to go. And all the while they're crying and trying to figure out how to make life work. How do you live in a country where you don't have any of the resources to make life work? June 22, 1985, that flight 182, Air India Flight 182, took off from Toronto, Canada, on its way to Heathrow. And just before it got to Irish airspace, that plane exploded because of a terrorist bomb on board. And every life on that plane plunged to the bottom of the Atlantic. What was God doing? For that boy and his family, God took one person home to save four. Do you know why I know that story well? Because that's my story. 35 years ago, that was me. And I'm standing here to tell you today that all things work together for... What's the word? But it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. What do you mean it's good? But all things work together for good. them who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. You see, God is sovereign and He has orchestrated this season. Maybe it's a season of loss. Maybe it's a season of plenty, but whatever the season is, God's placed you in it for a purpose. Never forget, God is intentional. He never does anything by mistake. He's put you there for a reason. Sovereignly orchestrating things in your life and in mine for a purpose. May I encourage you this morning to trust in the sovereignty of a God who knows you in this season. The third reason we can trust God in every season of life is because God's strength is available in every season. Notice the end of verse number 11. Also, He has put eternity into man's heart. He has put eternity into man's heart. Do you realize that human beings are the most restless people on the planet? You and I, we are, we are so burdened with the questions of origin and meaning and morality and destiny. Do you realize that your dog doesn't wake up one morning and go, Why am I here? <laughs> like your cat doesn't go, I wonder what tomorrow looks like. Like our pets, our animals, the plants, they don't care. But you and I do. Do you know why? Because God has placed eternity into our hearts. And in that void that we have, there is an itch that we cannot scratch and so we try to fill it full of stuff. And we fill it full of things and we do this and we do that, all in an attempt to try and fill the void that's in our heart. But the problem is nothing is big enough to fill the void that's the size of eternity. The only thing that can fill that void that's big enough is God. Augustine said it this way, Thou hast made us for Thyself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in Thee. Let me read that again. Thou hast made us for Thyself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in Thee. No matter how much we strive, no matter how much we try to fill that void, No one is big enough than God. No one is big enough than God. Solomon goes on to say at the end of verse 11 and into verse 12, He has put eternity into man's heart. Yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. You realize the end of verse 12 isn't a very fun verse. I don't know, maybe I read it too fast and you didn't follow, so let me try it again. What he said is, you and I, we don't get to know the beginning from the end. I I, I don't know about you, but I really don't like that. I'm kind of a nosy guy. I'm an engineer by trade. I want to know. I want to know the what and the why and the how. And yet God says, I'm not telling you. There's a verse in Deuteronomy 28, 28. It's a verse I really, really dislike. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Can I just say it? Kids, close your ears. I hate that verse. Because I want to know. It's my life after all. Don't I get a right to know? No, (laughs) you don't. That's what verse 11 says. No one gets to know the beginning from the end. You and I might get glimpses You and I might get shadows of what God may be doing, but the ends we don't get to see. It's not very much fun. And yet God says, trust me. The only way we can get through the seasons of life without knowing the ends and the whys and the hows is to trust Him and to grab a hold of His strength because that's the only way we're going to do what verse 12 told us. That's to be joyful and to do good as long as we live. You see, the only way that's ever going to happen in our lives is if not if we do it in our own strength, but we reach into that unexhaustible supply of strength that God provides. That's the only way it's ever going to happen. God doesn't ask you and me to do this life on our own. He doesn't ask us to live here in our own strength. He says, lean on me. He says, reach into my strength, because that will carry you through each and every season. So I told you my story in 1985, that happened in May, the plane issue happened in June, in July I celebrated a birthday. What I find out about God, one thing I know about God is God never wastes any time. When he's done with you in one season, he turns the page and he puts you in another season. He's like never, never waste any time. And I got a birthday in July and immediately I was in another season, but my season was called chickenpox. The whole family. I'm like, okay. And guess what happens? It's like COVID. Nobody wants to come see you. (laughs) Everybody's in quarantine. Oh, yeah, we're praying for you. Hope you get well soon. Bye. And that's it. By the way, 1985, there's no mobile phones. There's no Facebook. There's no Netflix. There's no YouTube. There's nothing. There's seven channels, maybe five. I don't remember. And books. Now, I know some of you are like, well, what'd you do? Yeah, I know. It... uh... I'm not sure. <laughs> the rest of the family started to get well. In fact, they got so well they're back outside. They're seeing their friends. They're going to the mall. Chickenpox loved me. It stayed on and on and on. I was like, "What's going on?" But I remember, <laughs> I remember sitting in my room doing the only thing about the thing you can do, which is read a book. I remember reading the book, and you know, just just to be clear. It had started, the blackheads had started to come, and, and so it was, it was the sign that it was on the way out. But you're still contagious, so nobody's come to see you. So I'm sitting in my bed, I'm reading my book. All of a sudden, it starts to get blurry. My sight gets blurry, and I'm like, well, this is weird. Rub my eye, shake my head, I try to read. The longer I try to do that, the more blurrier it gets. Something's wrong. I'll go ask Mom. Mom knows everything. So, I get up. No sooner did I try to get up, I fall. Well, That's weird. I can't get up. I'm on the floor. I grab the bed, I somehow use the nightstand, and I grab a hold of the dresser, and I pull myself up, and I use the doorknob, and the wall, and other things. I finally stumble my way through the hallway to the kitchen. My mother's back is to me. She's slicing up something And I say to her, Mom, something's wrong. She stops in mid-slice and she looks at me and she said, What did you say? I said, Something's wrong. Well, at least that's what I thought I said. My words were slurred. It was coming out more mushy than clear. And so she's now really worried she comes over she grabs me and helps me to come to the couch and she puts me down and she said stay there I'll make you some tea because in an Indian household tea cures everything <laughs> just try it, everything so she makes some tea and then she brings the tea to me and she gives it to me no sooner does she let go the cup crashes to the ground I have no strength to hold a cup of tea long story short I'm I'm rushed to uh, Macomb County uh, Hospital in, on Hoover Road in Warren, because that's where we lived, and because you have chickenpox, nobody wants to see you, so they put you in quarantine in the hospital. It took them three hours for them to find somebody brave enough to come see me. And they look at me, and they, she, this young doctor, she looks at me and examines. me, She had no idea what's going on, so they admit me. They admit me into the hospital. And they're running test after test after test after test. And they can't figure it out. Finally, two weeks, two and a half weeks go by. And she finally comes back into the room and she says, we think we know what's going on. He has a, very, a variant of Guillain-Barre syndrome. If you don't know what that is, neither did I. Um, Guillain-Barre syndrome is, so your body naturally produces antibodies to fight off an infection. So when chickenpox invaded, my body started producing antibodies. That's what your body is supposed to do. But what your body is also supposed to do is that when the infection has been fought and it's receding, it's supposed to slow down and eventually stop. My body decided it wasn't good enough. It continued to produce antibodies and more antibodies and more antibodies. So much so the antibodies didn't have anything left to fight and so they went right up to here and threw a party. Which is why all of my motor skills were affected, and so my my mom in the broken English she she says, "So doctor, tell me, what does this mean? What does it mean?" She looks at my mom and says, "There's a fifty percent chance he'll stay this way, and a fifty percent chance he'll get better, but he'll never be the same." Now, you're looking at me. You know the end of the story, but hang on. It's 1985 dad's gone home you're in a hospital room it's two and a half weeks and they have no idea what's going on and the doctor tells you there's a fifty percent chance you will stay this way God you're not supposed to give me more than I can bear this isn't fair what are you doing why are you doing this this doesn't make sense God you took dad home and now from my mom's perspective there's nothing but tears she has she has cried Oceans of tears. The family is praying. The church is praying. People we know are praying. There's no relief in sight. What do you mean 50% chance he'll stay this way? 50% chance he'll get better, but he will never get back to what he was. God, this this doesn't feel right. This doesn't look right. How can this be happening? What did we do? You ever been there when the load is so great you don't know what to do? Three weeks go by, four weeks go by, no change. In the process, I've got all these uh, medical interns come in with their notepads and, hey, can you hold this pencil? Can you read this? Can you stand up? Can you do this? Can you do that? And they're all writing, they've never seen this. So they're all writing in their notebooks. What does Guillain-Barre syndrome look like? Feel like a guinea pig. Oh, this is horrible. I remember one night, I think it was four-ish weeks into the hospital stay. Middle of the night, Mom says, Abe, Abe, wake up. Now, somehow she could understand me. She's Mom. She can translate anything. She says, Abe, wake up. I said, what time is it? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Mom, can't it wait till morning? So I throw the covers back on. I go to bed next next night. Same time, 3 o'clock in the morning. Abe, wake up. Mom, what do you want? Abe, I think you need to dedicate your life for ministry. Mom, I'm 13. I'm 14 now, sorry. 14. Can it wait till 30? I got places to go. People to see things to do. Let's go back to bed. Throw the covers back over my head and I'll go back to bed. Next night, Abe, wake up. You need to dedicate your life for ministry. Over and 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 over again. She wouldn't stop every night. Abe, wake up. You need to dedicate your life for ministry. There's no change in me. Nothing's happening. And as far as the doctors are concerned, there's nothing they can do. He's going to stay this way. And finally, after night after night, she broke me. <laughs> Moms have a way of doing that. And I said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do with a broken man in a wheelchair who can't see or say or do anything. But if that's what you want, that's what you get. (laughs) And so I prayed a prayer of dedication. That night with my mom holding my hands, we prayed together. I dedicated my life for ministry. And can you believe, No sooner than I said amen, I started getting better. Within two or three days, I walked out of that hospital in my own strength. Why? Because I tapped into the strength of an almighty God and I said, Lord, not my will. Yours be done. My friends, there's strength available. No matter what pain you might be going through, no matter what season it looks like, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much headache there may be, there's strength enough for you. All you have to do is say yes to him and no to yourself. Reach out and grab him. He says He's right by your side. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He is there for you. If you don't know Him, today is a great day to come to know Him by faith. You may have tried to do all of this on your own, living in your own strength, but may I tell you, Jesus has done it all for you. There's nothing that you have to do except call out to Him. Say no to your sins. Tell God you're sorry. And say, Jesus, take over. The Bible says the moment you call on His name, you will be saved and you will be added into His family. You don't have to wait. There's no cleanup you have to do. God says He will do it all for you. Whether you're watching online or where you're sitting here, all you have to say is, Jesus save me. Jesus, take control. And His promise is, he makes you part of his family, he gives you the strength, he gives you a purpose. It doesn't change anything in your season, but what it does do is add the strength of an almighty God to uphold you and carry you through each and every season. If you do know Jesus Christ, I am so thankful for you. Remember, you don't, and I don't live in this season by ourselves. We live with one who promised never to leave us or forsake us, who promised to be our refuge and our strength, a very present help in every kind of trouble. Trust him today. Trust him in every season of life. There's a song I'd like to conclude with that we don't sing very often anymore. It goes like this Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. The second verse says, Summer and winter, springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy and love. And the chorus says, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. If you know him, trust him. If you know him, know that he hasn't forgotten you. That the season you're in is sovereignly orchestrated by an almighty God who knows you and wants to do something in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of your community. Won't you let him? Reach out and grab him. And let his strength be yours. Today and always. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for the promise that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that everything that happens in our life is done intentionally through the hands of an almighty God. The only thing you ask of us is how we respond. And so, Lord, no matter how hard the season might be, no matter how confusing this season might be, Father, pray that you would allow us to trust you. To never fear, to never lose hope, To never fall away from you. To always hold you. To always remember that you are near. And so Lord, help us to trust you even more. No matter what tomorrow brings, help us to remember that you hold tomorrow. And Father, if there's anyone here this morning or anyone watching online who doesn't know you, we pray that you would continue to draw out their heart. Reveal to them who you truly are that you did for them what they could never do, you died in their place. You took upon yourself all of our sins forever. And all we have to do is trust you. To call out to you. To ask you to save us. And would you do that today? May today be a day where heaven and earth both celebrate as another soul is added into the kingdom of God. We thank you for all that you're doing in this campus and the lives of these wonderful people. Would you continue to bless, continue to mold and shape this campus for your glory. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.